Welcome to this week's Deconstructed Switch It, where we all meet virtually and try to piece together something vaguely intelligible, which, to be fair, is only one step removed from when we do it in the studio. Here in the UK, the COVID-19 covers remain firmly in place. No sign of play for some time. I hope you're all still digging in okay. We're going to keep warbling on in the hope of better things to come. And so, on the line today, I have ESPN Crick Info's UK editor and cat cricket mogul, Andrew Miller, as well as England batsman turned troubadour, Mark Butcher, who may be staying in, but also has a new single out. How are we doing, gents? Can't complain, can't complain. Lovely day, hiding indoors in the bedroom. What more could I want? Yeah, madness is... is is that far from setting in on a permanent <laughs> basis. But, we're, yeah, all good, all good. As always, plenty to keep on top of in the news, um, not least the revelation that Butch has never seen the Style Council in concert. Uh, yes, yeah, the, what was that? The, the six, name six bands you've seen live, with one of them being a, a fib, yeah. No, I mean, in the 80s, I, I, probably, I probably didn't get to see many gigs in the 80s. I, I maybe... I, you know, that sort of aside from ducking off the off the pitch during a, a team first eleven fixture to to catch up with the live age during the summer of eighty five, I don't I remember doing a lot of a lot of gigging in uh, in those days. But I would have seen, I would have got, gladly gone to see the Star Council had uh, had that been my my thing at the time. Miller, any shocking metal omissions that you want to own up to here? Um, no, no, I've never seen Judas Priest, which is great, great shame. But uh, I, I failed to fail to get any tickets for Maiden last year because it was a clash with the Lord's Test, which was great, great, great pity. But uh, but no, uh, life's good, thank you. I'm not going to see Guns N' Roses this summer because they've cancelled. But apart from that, everything's cushy. Uh, well, at least you don't have that clash, you know, between cricket and and GNR to worry about this year. Almost. Um, <laughs> The big talking point, uh, of course, in sport in general, um, never mind cricket, over recent days has been around player pay, um, with the coronavirus shutdown leading to some pretty grim financial forecasts for people in all walks of life. Uh, Miller, last week, George DeBell broke the story about how the PCA were apparently stalling on negotiating pay cuts. Um, that didn't look too good and, and pretty much led the England players to take matters into their own hands. Yeah, I mean, judging judging by the reaction, I mean, Ben Stokes obviously was was particularly outspoken uh, when when our story came out, and uh, I mean it, that that spoke volumes, in fact, for for what the story actually was, which I, I think uh, George was spot on with the the fact that uh, it, this discussion wasn't happening. But I think it was really a case that the PCA had failed to pass on the news to their players that this this was something that that. Uh, needed to be discussed this letter had come across from Tom Harrison on I think 29th of March with a request for the 20% pay cuts to help fill this hole because he as he said in the letter there's a potential for a £300 million black hole in England's finances if there's no cricket at all this summer so this request went to the PCA but obviously there's the separate little separate player team team player partnership that, that deals with the actual contracted players and so somewhere between the discussion that uh, that, that needed to be had and, and and the word getting out via via our story the players suddenly woke up saying what what no one's told us about this we, and clear clearly you know, people like Josh Butler had been uh, busy 
auctioning off his, one of his most prized items is his his team shirt from uh, the World Cup final. Uh, I think it's raised in excess of sixty sixty thousand pounds. So you know, there's clear evidence that, that the England players do care and do want to do their bit. Uh, and I think realistically, what what we've had had here was a, a lag between um, the the players' representatives acting on a request from from the ECB and um, the players actually themselves taking matters into their own hands. So, you know, all's well that ends well, I think, as far as that's concerned. They made a, they made a half a million pound donation to ECB's finances uh, and, and selected good causes. The women have done likewise with a 20% pay cut in line with the, their um, uh, their coaching staff, who've, who've, who've obviously ECB have, have, have taken that, that move across the board. And broadly speaking, I think we're in a situation where the players have done pretty much what you would hope from them because you know you, you don't want to have to uh, go go the full Matt Hancock and start accusing players of hoarding money and saying that they 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 need to need to splurge money to to save the NHS. But I think they equally there is a an expectation. Certainly, I, I think the players themselves realise it that they are role models. They are people who need to be seen to do the right thing at moments like this. And I think broadly speaking, they have now. So all's well that ends well, in my opinion. Yeah, Ben Stokes and uh, and Joe Root aren't tax exiles, are they? Um, you know, Precisely. There are there are other uh, <laughs> there are one or two other people might have a case to answer before we start digging those guys out. But um, yeah, it certainly looked like there was a bit of a, a, a lack of communication between the the players and their and their representatives, which is uh, which is not ideal. But hopefully, it all ends that all's well that ends well. I mean, the, P- the PCA has since confirmed uh, a 20% pay cut over the next couple of months for the rest of uh, players in the in the game, uh, along with foregoing prize money. Um, Millie, you mentioned that figure that Tom Harrison put out, kind of 300 million uh, potential shortfall. That's, that's if a whole season was lost, um, I mean, and that's a that's a pretty um, daunting figure uh, for the game. It, it, I mean, it's kind of inevitable that everyone's going to have to share the pain at some stage, though. Yes, I think it was. I think um, you know Harrison has has himself taken a twenty five percent cut. So you know he's led from the front. Although to be fair, he has paid a, a massive shedload of money. So he, it shouldn't it shouldn't leave him too much of a hole. Um, but there, you know, there is a um, I don't know. It, 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 it is a massive hole. It is one that the ECB no one could expect this to have taken place but there was a lot of talk in the last few seasons with the build up to the 100 and the amount of money that they've spent on it and George has written extensively about it to be fair to him about the um, the ECB's reserves that I think in 2016 were 73 million pounds they dwindled to to 11 million pounds a lot of that uh, was due to the fact that England hadn't had Nash's or or an India tour in that those previous few years which obviously are the big moments when when there's a, a massive top up in in that reserve but equally they have been splurging money on setting up the 100 and, and ripping up the, the fabric of the game that that has been established for years uh to what end i mean you know we've heard the arguments ad nauseam over the last few years about why the 100 is necessary i think we've all come round to the the acceptance that it will have to happen but it does look now as though it's very likely to be postponed until 2021 to make sure that they can hit the ground running with with all the overseas players and the, and the full bells and whistles that you'd hope to have rather than have a, a slightly subdued version but yeah I mean between that the timing of this is is atrocious the only worst timing in my opinion would have been last summer you know obviously with the Ashes and the Home World Cup and obviously everything we know about what happened 
in those in those uh, series. Obviously, England winning one and then having an ex- incredible exposure. If even if they didn't win the Ashes with Ben Stokes's innings at Headingley, uh, so much good came out of what happened last summer. That again, it's a bit like the 2005 situation. England are going behind, going into uncertain times. Uh, as they did then with the with the you know the, the going going to going off free to air to sky, but they're going into these uncertain times with the with the full knowledge that they've put on the best show possible in the preceding summer, and so I think the goodwill and the and the, and the, uh, the the good vibes around the game will carry it over, even if um, yeah we're all going to be feeling the pinch in the short term. And that talking about that kind of. Windfall from the the hundred or the broadcast deal, which of which the hundred is part of, and um, the, the PCA had obviously done their fought their corner for the players to get their share of that. So you can you can sort of understand um, on one level why there was a bit of reluctance to start immediately giving that back, um, even though it's clear that there isn't going to be a, a full season of cricket. But in Butch counties and, and county cricket is not the same as kind of um, Premier League football that there, there, there isn't the same amount of level of finance sloshing around and um, while you know various counties have, have been following stuff and, and so on that that isn't going to be um, treated by the general public on a similar level to say Liverpool doing it No, no, I mean but the major difference is that the, the clubs um, you know with the exception of the 2020 blast don't make their own money, do they? I mean, this is this has always been the model of county cricket: is that the money is earned by and large via um, the England team and the partnerships that they are able to generate through Test cricket, One Day International cricket, and that money goes out from the centre to uh, to the county. So, I mean, the, the comparison just does, none of it bears any sort of comparison. Um, I, I get. I suppose the one thing that sort of made me raise an eyebrow about about the idea of the um, the players, in particular, of some of these clubs being being furloughed um, and, and receiving an eighty percent, eighty percent of their pay from the government, was the fact that the clubs aren't really lo- at the moment. The clubs aren't losing any money. You know, there are there are there are zero clubs that make cash playing county championship cricket. None of them, not even not even the rich ones. Um, and so, you know. The, the players are being paid out of a, of a salary cap, out of money that it, that comes in from the centre in order to be able to pay um, your you know your players from all eighteen counties. So that was uh, that kind of surprised me a bit. The idea that the clubs would be passing off the responsibility for paying their players out of money that they haven't earned themselves anyway. If you see what I mean, um, I'm sure there's a, a reasonable explanation for it. Somebody uh, further up the food chain than me will will come up with one. I'm sure, but that 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 just surprised me. That's all. Well, I don't think any of us here have an accountancy degree, so we, we won't attempt to unpick that. Um, I don't have Rishi Sunak on speed dial, sadly, either. Um, but, Miller, I mean, players going on furlough is an interesting one, isn't it? Because you, you're theoretically not then allowed to do uh, your job, which, I mean, you can obviously keep fit uh, off your own back in your spare time, but uh, but presumably no no um, hit-ups against the wall or uh, or turning your arm over. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I I would go stir crazy if I wasn't able to do my job, and it's it, 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 you know it just keep keeps people out of trouble, doesn't it? It's, I, I I I it's really strange. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of lot of chat about you know you know from from our perspective dealing dealing with the dealing with the media and uh, talking to players who have been furloughed. It's like, well, sorry, it's not they're not our responsibility. So no, we can't set up an interview with so and so and this and that. 
Um, so yeah, so it, it, we're entering in, in a massive, great, strange period. I mean, obviously we're deep into a massively, massively strange period, but I suppose from cricket's perspective, it hasn't really kicked in yet because the season, by all accounts, you know, wasn't meant to have begun. Obviously, a few champ, few uh, warm up with university games would be underway, but uh, Sunday, Easter Sunday, was the big kickoff. And so, by by and large, we've spent this past fortnight, three weeks, just waiting to see what the what the, the field of play is going to look like when when it when it comes to comes to the big kickoff. I mean, the, the sun the sun is shining. It's a beautiful day out there. Uh, um, Victoria Park is shut, so I won't be able to go for a wander. But uh, you know, everything is set up for for what should have been a glorious start to to the season. And it, it's yeah, it's just a bit rubbish at the moment. But uh, you know, we'll we'll, we'll muscle through, won't we? Butch, will you be um, uh, taking the you know the fold-up chair out into the garden on Sunday and, and sort of sitting lightly shivering, uh, uh, just transporting yourself mentally back to those first day of the seasons uh, many moons ago? Uh, you know, I mean, I think going back to the, the very early nineties, you wouldn't you know we'd, we'd go back, we'd report for duty on the first of April. Um, you know, pre-season would start on the first of April. Guys would be coming, flying back in from. You know, playing club cricket, grade cricket in Australia or wherever they might have been. Others, you know, David Ward famously was a carpenter in the in the in the winters, and and you know, people would come back from whatever job that they've been doing to keep the wolf from the door, and you'd be and you'd be back in pre-season having your hands battered to to pulp. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, with your with your baby soft hands catching thousands of balls in the freezing cold on the first of April and. Uh, so yeah, I mean things things have changed an enormous amount, haven't they? Um, I, I guess that my, my my sympathy goes out really to a lot of the, a lot of the player, a lot of the county players. You know, it's kind of um, without if you've not been on on tour with England, if you've not been sort of away playing, because not everybody can get the chance to go away and play club cricket in the in the winters. You're kind of absolutely desperate to get out there and, and, and do your job and play the sport that you love, and it's um, you know desperately uh, sad time for. For them, and also as we touched on um, last week when Tamar was on, you know the the guys who are in last year of contracts, you've got all kinds of um, you know of worries about whether or not you're going to have a job come the end of the summer. What's going to change if they don't play the hundred, and you know whatever it might be, there are just so many so many what ifs and uh, and maybes at the minute. I mean, if, you know, from my point of view, I've got I literally have no work. I've just there is no there is nothing to do for a. A, a freelance cricket commentator when there's no cricket um, can't go out and play any music. I've, I've had mates of mine doing extraordinary things. A, 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 <laughs> a guy, I mean, a, a band called the Boom Band with John Amor had gone through the entire rigmarole of uh, of recording himself on on TV and then playing that back and then playing along with himself live. On a, on a Facebook live thing, it's absolutely brilliant. Check it on my on my um, Twitter and, and, and Facebook accounts. Just just look up the the post I've got with John Amor music on it. He's, he even does a bit of interactive comedy where he's talking to where he's actually talking to himself live on the, on the TV. It's out, it's brilliant, out of this world. We've all been talking to ourselves this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, so we've had you know Mark Church. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say, Butch. There's there's your answer, isn't it? With the with the what, what the cricket commentator does in. Um... <laughs> In times of COVID. But just just to just to go back to what we were saying earlier about the the PCA, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, they, they got they got a little bit in the neck for for being a little slow on the uptake. But you know, what your point there about about players and uh, in last year's contracts and what have you, it's it's self evident that you know the 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 request from the ECB was 
can you guys take a 20% pay cut? But the PCA, to be fair, couldn't just suggest this as a blanket deal across the board. They need to take it on a case-by-case basis with the various different levels of player who are playing in, 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 in professional cricket in England because there are so many different types of player who some, some will be on pay-to-play pay already. Some will be you know relying on this last big windfall because they know that it'll be the last time they get a contract. They don't want to have to lose money when, you know, age 35, 36, 37, that's going to be the end of your professional days. So, you know, there's a lot of sympathy for players wanting to just look after the, their their athletic prime as it is and, and, and make the most out of it. So, you know, it was they were slow on the update, but at the same time, they they needed to, you know, get a get a collective response rather than just cherry pick the, the most significant players. Butch, are you uh, on, just on the subject of um, Mark Church and his um, mad genius, are you saying you've never <laughs> uh, played your garden furniture at cricket? <laughs> no. And, and, filmed it, and filmed it, of course. The, the, whole, the thing that he's doing with the, um, you know, with the, the throwdowns to himself off the wall is, is sensational. I, I can't believe I never thought of that. <laughs> I mean, see, I've, seen, I've seen other tweets like Dave Fulton's kids... Um, who, are, who are pretty good players actually I think they're, they're both sort of in Kent age group sides out in the back garden with the tennis balls under their chin and dropping them down and, and you know practicing forward drives there's ever more increasing ingenious ways of of practicing my old man has been out in the back garden with uh, with my with my half sister Bryony and he's got a, a, a plank of wood up on a brick and he's skimming tennis balls at her and she's hitting back foot punches into the garden fence you know there's, there's all kinds of uh, Ingenious ways that people are keeping their eye in at this time. I saw someone in someone in Australia driving a, driving with a golf driver tennis ball at a batsman the other day. That that was that was quite special. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think you can keep that as a as a practice <laughs> drill. To be honest, bit of chin music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've mainly been sitting around in my pajamas trying to get online deliveries. So um, I've got I've not got a lot to add to this, but. Um, <laughs> there, there's, uh, we've touched on still no certainty about kind of what shape the summer might take. Um, Miller, it sounds as if the, the ECB are, are wargaming as many as a sort of a dozen scenarios for the coming months. Yeah, as well they might. I mean, it's you know there's so so much at stake. They've got some, you know, they got the initial initial plans for the West Indies series um, in June. I mean, that's you know obviously that was the one that, that really piqued interest right at the start of the government's announcements about this because they they sort of initially in the back in the in the days of of, of everybody having their their, their herd immunity they, they, they were talking about that being the, the the designated peak of the of the virus so there were the immediate concerns that that wouldn't happen but you know i think realistically you know when a when a when a competition is as self-assured and, and up itself as as the british open golf is saying um we're we're postponing this uh, for july i think it's fair to say anything prior to then is is going to be a write-off so suddenly there's that that three test backlog that's going to be shunted up further up the season which obviously knocks on the the pakistan series and the australia odis and and the launch of the hundred and all the other things that that will get shunted into whatever minuscule slither of season may be remaining uh so yeah it sounds like they've got but yeah 16 or so different scenarios up their sleeves that uh at any given moment when we know when it will be safe to get back on the field and you know that may that may involve playing behind closed doors uh at some stage if the government is 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 okay with that because let's face it you know of all the sports 
cricket is one of the the best at uh, natural social distancing 22 yards between batsman and bowler and on, on a good day so uh, um you know with a with a pinch of salt you could say that it, it's a safer sport to get back up and running than 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 rugby say um it's it's one option that, but yeah, as you say it's all completely up in the air at the moment we know to have no idea when where or how cricket will resume and so the ecb have got to be ready to have a, a contingency that that fits the perfect scenario as and when we know what's available so yeah fair play to them they, they sound like they, as you say wargaming it all to uh, to the nth degree at the moment um, and I mean Butch you were just talking about there how you would, would start pre-season and then be pitched straight into uh, competition but um, presumably these days uh, the players or certainly England players would expect um, a few weeks to get sort of match fit maybe some uh, uh, games between themselves and all, all this sort of thing so if uh, if Wimbledon's been called off and the Open and, and all that sort of thing um, uh, the likelihood of, of kind of England playing again um, the Windy Series was supposed to be in June and then you obviously had the, the 100 and so on in July and it, you you can understand why the ECB aren't going to cancel that just yet because they might just try and sort of shunt it all back but um, uh, it's very much going to be trying to cram as much cricket as possible into sort of the last three months of the summer uh, if possible or maybe even playing into October I mean uh, 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 not a prospect that many county players would welcome maybe but although if you haven't been playing all summer <laughs> I think you take whatever you can get I mean we've been I know from uh, the, what maybe the last four or five summers kind of like October by the sort of second week of October the weather's been has been pretty fine it would be uh, it would be uh, the uh, the law of sod that this year is the one where it just tips it down from the beginning of September onwards wouldn't it but um I mean, it's just you're just wildly speculating. Oh, you've got no idea what's going to happen. Whether people are going to be allowed to travel, you know, talking about the West Indies coming over in June. Um, you know, they've only just really started with the, um, you know, with having to shut things down over over in Antigua. I was talking to Johnny Grave. So you know, that things that things are only beginning for them in that part of the world too. So who knows whether they're going to be uh, they're going to be locked up for the foreseeable anyway. I mean, it's just. You know, I don't even I don't even know where you'd begin at the moment. Um, you know, I'd take it that 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 first test match isn't going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. Well, they said twenty. The, the season is is officially postponed up until the the twenty eighth of May, which That's leaves fine, you yeah. what you know just just over a week for the teams to get ready for a, for a test match. Not happening. <laughs> well, we um, we look probably. Uh... Uh, be looking to the government for uh, their um, the next Q1 kind of when um, lockdown will be extended to and all that and obviously uh, the ECB will be um, uh, listening to that advice and go from there I assume um, we can't get on the field or even out of the changing rooms but uh, there has been a familiar cricket event this week um, nothing heralds the arrival of spring like the thud of the new wisdom almanac landing on the doorstep um, although I, I, I haven't received my copy yet which is just disappointing but um, I'm sure all uh, occasionally guilty of, of skimming through the little yellow brick but this year Miller we have plenty of time to pour over its 1,536 pages in full Yes, indeed, won't we? Just, I mean, I've, I've done a bit of the pouring myself in with, with with some of the some of the features being made available to uh, to Crick Info. So we've been whacking those up in the last few days, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a smorgasbord as usual. It's uh, no, it, it, you know, I think it's 
got an 80-page section dedicated to the World Cup and obviously Hosanna's left, right and centre for, for what England achieved last summer. It's uh, it's great, as I said, as I said at the top of the show, it, it, it is it is particularly uh, reassuring for cricket that um, there is that recent memory to look back on as we sit here in such uncertainty and uh, what glorious memories to look back on. It, it, it was one of the best summers of our lives. Um, the World Cup final, as we've as we've talked about in, in triplicate on this show, was one of the great occasions of any sport anywhere in the world, without a shadow of a doubt. The, the finale of those final overs was was just absolutely mind blowing, and uh, I can't wait to to relive it all in triplicate. It's it's going to keep me um, very 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 entertained uh, for a, a long long time. Especially as I'm, especially as I'm trying to struggle to get into Breaking Bad. I'm, I'm finding it a bit slow, to be honest. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll get through Wisdom before. <laughs> I hear Series Three gets better, but uh, a bit, yeah. bit like Test cricket, you know, the ending—it's all worth it. Yeah, stay, stay <laughs> with it. The, yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, cricket's a nostalgia business anyway, isn't it? I mean, so the so one thing that that the game has with this little pause here is it gives gives people a chance to kind of to to, to look back over a lot of the. A lot of the great stuff, the great eras, the great players, you know, people putting lists up endlessly of the favourite this and the best that and whatever. Um, and something that cricket does well, you know, does as, as well as, as any sport, um, is, uh, you know, taking the time to kind of remember remember the shifts in it, really. I mean, that's what one of the beauties of the glacial pace of, of, of a test match at times, is that it gives you, even, during, even while the game is on, it gives you a chance to look back on one that was happening a year before, you know. So... You know, this it's not all bad when when this, these things stop. And I said, you know, you people have have complained so often in the recent past about the fact that you don't ever get the chance to kind of look forward to something anymore because it's just always on cricket, always on. There's always another competition. There's always something else going on. Well, people are going to be leaping out of their skins um, when when we eventually get back to work again. Um, and that's a, and that's a good thing. We have to. That's that's a positive for everyone. Plenty of chance to regain the appetite, um, Butch. What, what was the what was the players' kind of view um, with the the cricketers of the year and that sort of thing when when Winston comes out? Was that something you paid attention to? Um, no, I mean, no, not really. I mean, there were always a few surprises in it, weren't there? Um, you, it would because it kind of it, it reflects it's, it's the a game. personal pick, isn't it, or the editor's pick? Yeah, and it, it obviously, you know, Ben Stokes is kind of like the, is an absolute no-brainer. And in fact, mo- for the most part this year, I, I think I don't think you can argue with any of them. But there would always be, a, you know, a wild card in there somewhere, somebody that hadn't partic- you know hadn't played Test match cricket, for example. You know, the county player has scored the most runs, or a bowler has taken hundred wickets, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, it always kind of tried to reflect a broad. Spectrum of, of the players and the and the uh, and, and the teams and the, and cricket that people love, which is a great thing. Um, but you know, at least Perry and, and Ben Stokes are like, you know the two preeminent players in the world at the moment. Um, and it's a, I think it's a wonderful accolade. I mean, my old man won, I think, in um, maybe nine. I don't know, ninety one, nineteen ninety, or something. So right back at the at the end of his career, he was ninety one, uh, 30, 37 years old, I think. Uh, yeah, um, you know, scored. Absolute truckloads of runs opening the batting for for Glamorgan with with Hugh Morris, and that was kind of that. I think, you know, just talking personally, it was a it was a fitting accolade for him to get at the end of what had been a very you know a frustrating career. I think there were a lot of people in the county game who felt he should have played um, more than uh, than the one Test match. Uh, Jeff Boycott for one, 
Um, or at least when Jeff, because Jeff was ribbing me about it, he, he asked me, he said, so how many test matches did you play? And I said, 71. He said, 71? Your father only played one, and he could play. <laughs> so you know that was it, it was an it was a nice thing. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if people how much the players sort of pay attention to. I think you pay attention to it if you're one of the names. Put it that way. <laughs> I was going to say uh, there must have been a couple of summers when when you know you were disappointed to, to miss out, or you know, as an England player, did you did you not worry too much about that sort of thing? No, not really. No, not not at all. I mean, you know, so, somebody like um, you know Mark Rambocash, Graham Hit, guys like that, Andy Caddick, um, people who would sort of year in year out just just smash out the numbers. Um, you know, England didn't have, you know, probably before two thousand two thousand and four two thousand and five wouldn't have had all that that many people, particularly in the international arena, who were kind of who, who made themselves. Um, you know, absolute must picks for the for the five. You know, um, you know, until Freddie Freddie came along. I don't know if Nasser ever won it for for sort of his captaincy or sort of like dragging the you know the team out of the the doldrums of the nineties. I don't know if Athers ever won it. I'm not sure. And, and that, that, there you go. It goes to show how much attention I pay to it. I can't think of any. <laughs> I can't think of any of the people that I played with who might have won it. Maybe they all did. I don't know. <laughs> Miller, there, there, there probably wasn't uh, too much disputing this year's five. Uh, well, albeit that um, kind of uh, one or two players, perhaps who were involved in the World Cup, missed out. Obviously, it's the English summer, uh, but your Jofra Archer, uh, Pat Cummins, Elise Perry, Marnus Labuschagne, and then Simon Harmer, uh, as Butch mentions, a sort of county pick. Um, Got in there for helping Essex to another title. Uh, woohoo! But um, uh, uh, yeah, with, <laughs> yeah, another two titles, yes. Um, but uh, was, was there anyone you thought should have been in the five? Well, I'm going to go start hashtag justice for Darren Stevens. Um, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's, I mean, if, if ever there was a year that, that he could he could have won it, but uh, no, tough tough one to break into in an in an Ashes in a World Cup year, especially a World Cup winning year. Um, so yeah, I don't think I don't think there's no Shaky Balfassan, you know, was up well, indeed. I mean, that, I, I I get I get the impression he might have uh, he might have shot his uh, himself in the foot with that one. Um, he, he could conceivably have been in, been in the running there. Um, yeah, I, was, yeah. I guess I was slightly surprised there was only one World Cup player. I mean, uh, you know, we've got um, three, well, Archer being both, but three players from the Ashes, only one Archer really being a World Cup star. Uh, so that that may be, may be something. I mean, Rohit Sharma is a name that's been bandied around this morning on on, on Twitter, but uh, then Virat Kohli's always bandied around in the summer years. So why is Virat Kohli not player of the year? So, you know, the, the, as I say... The answer to which is if he's already won it once and can't exactly. win it again. Um, so no, and, and because players have, have won it before, I think, um, you know, most of the England team uh, have have been been uh, awarded in, in one way or the other over the years. Uh, possibly Liam Plunkett, maybe one who, who has eluded the, 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 the jury. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. So... Again, you know, three wickets in the, in the World Cup final, but was was he one of the absolute standout players of the season in a way that you know Pat Cummins in particular was was just immense during during the Ashes? Uh, you know, broadly speaking, I can't fault given the criteria in, in the impact on the English summer and the the caveat that you can't have players winning it more than once. I think uh, it's a it's a broad uh, broad um, spectrum of names that cover pretty much every 
base of, of, of relevant cricket in, in the English summer. So, yeah, well, fair play. I'll be with it. Um, and another talking point, um, a, a one-off uh, a table that Wisdom have created. Um, Lancashire crowned the leading county of the modern era uh, since the introduction of one-day cricket. Uh, Butch, any, any um, dissent there? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's 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 an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, it's a, the, you know they won the championship what, once. Um, I, I, I did. Think, I looked at the list and thought that perhaps fourteen, fourteen points for winning for winning a championship, um, and then ten for for being runner up just seemed to be a little bit odd. That seemed like quite a lot of points. A lot of points for not winning. Points for losing. Yeah, yeah. Which, which actually meant that Somerset were were crowned the best team of the two thousands, which is. Uh, which is curious. Um, yeah, so. there you go. I did think, but other than that, you couldn't really argue with it. I mean, Lancashire's numbers in terms of the uh, in terms of the one day and and, and knockout cricket, incredible. Um, and um, you know, the T Twenty era is kind of uh, has not run long enough, I suppose, for it to make a, to make all the difference in those uh, in those tables. But even then, they they were up there. So you know, being that there are at any one time three and potentially four. Uh, different one-day competitions. It pays to be uh, to, to win a lot of those, doesn't it? When you when you uh, stack the whole thing up like that, but it did it did it did it didn't ring particularly true. I mean, because of simply because of the fact Lancashire were a long, long way in front, but only won the championship once to sort of you know to, to Warwickshire's uh, multiples, to Yorkshire's multiples, to Surrey's multiples, to Sussex and Durham's multiples. It just seemed. Uh, well, it's D- Durham, Durham particularly hard, hard, hard done by came second from bottom despite winning three titles. It's, <laughs> I mean, Kent were up there in fourth, right? having won a lot of one-day t- titles. In, yeah, 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 a lot of one-day titles in the seventies. Yeah, it, it, the weighting was perhaps a little bit skewed, but um, I mean, those sorts of things, those sorts of things. Do I really are people going to get upset about that? It's just a load of old nonsense, isn't it? And you can you can kind of weight stuff any way you like. And as you say, Durham. That, you know, that when they were defending the um, defending the numbers, it was kind of like you know people understand that Durham hadn't been involved in um, you know and since what was it ninety one ninety two when they first came in, so they basically had no chance you know, and there was no way of waiting it to to make it fairer for them, which is which I suppose is fair enough, which just means the whole thing's completely and utterly a waste of time. Except there's no other cricket to talk about, so it's exactly what we need at this time of year. So so well played, well played, wisdom. It's all that one coming. <laughs> And Durham still managed to finish above Derbyshire, uh, so uh, you know, <laughs> poor old, poor old Derbyshire. Um, we've uh, well, we, we, uh, before we finish, we, we've touched on um, nostalgia and living in the past and so on. Um, Miller uh, Retro Live is uh, is your thang right now. We, we've got a, another one of those um, coming up, and uh, it's, it's a bit of a, a forgotten gem. Uh, in 1999 Tri-Series Adelaide Indeed. England versus Sri Lanka yeah, Absolute humdinger I mean I, I, just to say first and foremost with, with this Retro Live we, we have been slightly limited by what we can scour from our various sources to get full matches of and so you know we, we got hold of the, the full World Cup final from 1992 which was glorious you know re- replaying that in, in triplicate uh, but beyond that we've, we've, we've struggled to get to, to get many complete games because obviously if we're going to score these matches as live we need to have the full context for for our scorers to be able to do justice to it because you know it's all very well looking at the final scorecards in these games but if you can't see that a certain over went four dot 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 four dot then the score is going to go up the creek so um 
we had to get full feeds, and one of the ones, as you say, an absolute forgotten gem, uh, was the uh, Murley's match in at Adelaide when, uh, well, Ross Emerson's match really when Ross Emerson uh, called Murley for chucking for the second time in three years, and and watching it back uh, on on the full feed, you get you know you get Tony Gregg's big build up and you know the weather wall and all the rest of it that that was such fun on Channel Nine in those days, but uh, the the sense of drama that, that that that's imbued into this game that. There's a sense that, you know, they've got Tony McQuillan and Ross Emerson, these two umpires who were standing in Brisbane three years earlier when Murray was called. They're not going to do it again, are they? And uh, everybody's slightly on, on edge for the entirety of the game until suddenly you get to the, the moment that uh, Murray enters the attack and, and then all hell breaks loose. And, uh, yeah, I remember watching it at the time. It was it was an absolute humding. I, I won't spoil it for those of you who uh, are going to relive it in full tomorrow. Um, but it was, um, you know, it was... A curious time for England because obviously Butch remembers remembers well that the, the first half of that tour anyway, and uh, England just just about turned a corner on that tour, didn't they? Because they they uh, they they'd won in won in Melbourne memorably. They'd been robbed by Simon Torfell in Sydney, and then won four out of their first five games in the in the one day series. So they after 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 a typically shocking start to the to their tour of Australia, they they were suddenly looking quite serene in their in their run up to the, to the nineteen ninety nine World Cup, and uh, yeah. It all went a bit south. <laughs> I mean, well, I, Ranatunga, I, the, the person that always stood out for me, that was Ranatunga. I mean, you know, talk about sort of a Marmite character, but boy, did he uh, did he stand his ground and look after his team that day. Um, Stewie was captain as well, wasn't he? Was he Alec, was, Alec yeah. was captain, yeah. There's, there's a glorious little, little passage where Stewie gives Ranatunga a piece of his mind, saying you, 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 your, your behaviour's been, been a disgrace for a leader of an international team, or what's that effect in the... Typical, typical Stewie tones. It was, uh, and Ronald Tunga obviously had absolutely no truck with that whatsoever. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, they were left, right, and centre. They were, they were setting out to wind, wind teams up left, right, left, right, and centre. Ronald Tunga two days earlier uh, had had called for a runner when he clearly didn't need one, and and wound Australia up like a top and beaten them. Um, so everybody was. You know, Ranatunga just just created this them and us mentality for his team, and it and obviously it served them brilliantly. They they'd beaten uh, beaten the world three years earlier to win the World Cup. They'd obviously beaten England at uh, 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 the Oval the previous summer, which Butch you'll remember well. Yeah, so I mean that was so that was that winter basically. I mean that was the the, the, the Test match that was tagged on at the end of the South Africa series. Um, you know, before we went off to to, to the Ashes, so yeah, that was all pretty much in in people's memory. I mean, it was well, they gave us an absolute hiding at the Oval. I mean, I mean, to be fair, to be fair to um, to be fair to Alec, to be fair to the team, um, we were we were done. You know, with the five the five matches against South Africa that summer, you know, the, the mountain had been climbed, and it was kind of the last. The last thing that any of us needed was to play one-off game at the Oval, which was t- was just spinning like a top as well. By you know the s- September of uh, of ninety nine, uh, was it not? No, September of ninety eight. So yeah, the pitches are, are re- you know really were were spinning by then, and we just got absolutely. They won the toss and stuck us in. I mean, we were kind of like whooping in a dressing room. <laughs> Cannot believe it. Got four hundred and fifty and got an absolute hiding. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Can you remember? Can you remember your um, dismissal to, to Murley and one of his nine in the second innings? It was an absolute corker. I mean, I I think I don't know how many balls I'd faced off Murley. I'd never seen him bowl before. Right, this is how different things were back in those days. I'd never ever seen the guy bowl a ball before in my life until I faced him. 
in that test match. <laughs> we had no, we, no, there was no video. No one had sort of talked about him, or if they had, I was I was away with the fairies. Obviously, I hadn't noticed. Um, you know, I'd come come off the back of a. I'd averaged fifty or something, fifty five, fifty six or something against South Africa that summer. I was in bloody good nick. Get out to to somebody. I, I don't even remember left arm swing bowler in the first innings. And then in the second innings, get through the new ball, which was probably about three overs. Uh, and this guy comes on, and there are blokes standing everywhere around me. You know, the three slips, two gullies. And I'm thinking, what the hell is Jeff Thompson bowling? No, it's Murray. And I don't know how many overs I was stuck at his hand for. It probably, for me, it probably felt like about ten. In reality, it was probably nine balls or something. And round the wicket, and the ball just kept pitching on or outside my leg stump from round the wicket. And I just kept missing it pushing forward and and missing it by miles. And I'm just thinking, what the hell is going on here? How have I not got a pad or a bat or a glove on any of these yet? And in the end, I just, well, this is, he's just making me look silly here. So I ran down the wicket and got to the picture one and belted it over extra cover, which caused enormous laughter from, uh, from uh, uh, Jaya, uh, not Jaya Warner, Jaya Saria and Ranatunga and co. So I thought, right, I'm going to do it again. And I did and got stumped by about half the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Happy days. And it was one thing I will never, ever forget, actually. Because in, after, after that, um, my, you know, my reputation as a player of spin was, was shot to bits and, and, and hadn't been great in the first place. But I spoke to um, uh, Jaya Saria at the end of that test match. I said, how as a left-hander, how the hell do you play that? You know, ball spinning at that sort of pace and spinning those sort of distances. And he looked at me and he, he said, it's very simple. He said, you go padding, 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 cut. <laughs> that was that was his advice. And so the next, well, I played against Murley quite a lot in, in county cricket after that. So in Lancashire games were always quite uh, quite spicy at the end of the 90s in the first in the first bit of the 2000s with two probably the best sides in the championship there. And that was exactly exactly what happened. Pad, 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 cut. Made runs against him, no problem. And then the next time I played him international cricket, um, would have been at home, and made runs. Got a couple of hundreds in that series against him at home. And then we went and played him in Sri Lanka. By which time he got whatever problem he'd had with his shoulder or whatever was sorted out, and he got the doozra. So padding, 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 cut no longer worked because the damn thing spun the other way as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one, the one thing, one thing I will say. I mean, you, you say you have, how long you were out there. I just looked up the scorecard. It was forty-five balls, as it turns out. But more to the point, um, Murley's figures in that second innings were were nine for sixty-five, which is all very well. But fifty-four point two overs. I mean, England would be out three times in that length of <laughs> that length of overs in this day and age. I mean, you, you guys, you guys may not have been able to play him, but you could hang. You, you were able to hang around in a way that. Uh, just doesn't happen in this modern era. Well, yeah, but I mean, also take into consideration that you're not you're not getting done on reviews and things like that as well. You know, I, I know it works both ways. You know, you can the, the amount of the bowlers would say, well, we'd have had a million more LBWs, and the batters would say, oh, well, I would have been not out most of the time. You know, but um, but for sure, the amount of you know the amount of sort of covering up the right handers would do playing with a with a bat tucked in behind the pad, you just wouldn't get away with it anymore. So. Um, he wouldn't have had to have bowled 54 overs nowadays, I don't think. It, it would have, you know, 25 would probably have been enough. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, that's one thing I have noticed from the, the retro live series we were doing. The umpiring, my God, it could be arbitrary. I mean, I mean, Steve Buckner's umpiring in the, in the World Cup final in 92, I, I'd remembered some of the details, but 
but I'd forgotten some of the details as well. Just just wides were just random, you know. Some 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 leg side wides, you, you, some offside wides were just completely, you know, just make it up as you go along. And obviously, no no recourse to replays in those days. It was just you take take what you're given and and shrug. Um, yeah, it, it's been fascinating. The other series, the other series that sort of you know, that always springs to mind is the, the England uh, Sri Lanka was the, was that away series that, that NASA's lot won in. Um, 99-2000 wasn't it where the, the umpiring was utterly <laughs> utterly horrendous I mean Alex Stewart got the worst LBW decision of all time to um, again Jaya Sarira left arm over the wicket pitched yeah a stump a set of stumps and a half outside leg um, he was giving out LBW Graham Thorpe took, got a catch got um, Aravinda out with a ball that, that bounced just after it had hit his bat and, and carried through to him on the bounce up here at slip and the boys threw it up and they, and you know, it was given out. It was horrific. I mean, you know, those types of things are what, when people complain about, um, DRS and, and what it does to the game and the fact that it isn't a hundred percent right. Well, have a look, have a look back at some of those and tell me that it was better then because it bloody well was. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, the, but that, that series was an absolute humdinger, but the, that whole, that whole era for, for the, the England Sri Lanka was a, was just a forgotten gem for, for a forgotten seam of 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 aggro and angst and and rivalry that uh, I mean I remember uh, watching Athers losing his cool for the first time in ever when Sangikara got under his skin is obviously he wasn't expecting to have this chippy lawyer stand behind him at stumps able to able to out outbrain him and uh, I don't think he liked it very much well I mean you know there's there's an interesting sort of psychology to that because I think Sri Lanka Sri Lanka felt that England were the one team out of the so-called big three, whatever, because, you know, in terms of results, England were not in the big three, but there was always a, a sort of a, you know, a feeling that Sri Lanka were, were, were way beneath the top table. And so Sri Lanka thought to themselves, well, they, they, these, we could knock these guys over. These, we're not worried about these in the same way we would be if it was West Indies or Australia or perhaps even South Africa. So they always fancied their chances against us. And England certainly had that, that that view of Sri Lanka that they were sort of upstarts and didn't really you know didn't really belong at, you know at the same table. Obviously, you know how many times they proved that they were you know from '96 in the World Cup onwards. But there was still that sort of you know they weren't quite of the same caliber as as players. I mean that that now is, is long that those days have almost returned, I suppose. But this England team or the England, the modern England player would not wouldn't have that attitude. You know the attitudes. Of um, nations towards one another in the cricketing sense, and not not the way that they used to be. I think you know there was a lot of um, you know that whole colonial stuff carried on for a long, long time up beyond you know the end of the empire, um, and only really sort of started to sort of to ramp down or come down. Um, sort of in the in the, the I suppose the, the post two thousand five six seven I guess. Well, that's one we'll, we'll have to get uh, our Sri Lanka correspondent, Andrew uh, Fidel Fernando, on the show for. Um, nostalgia is our stock in trade, so we'll revisit some of this, uh, I'm sure, over the coming weeks. Gents, particularly looking forward to the uh, England in the 90s special. Um, <coughs> that's, that's probably enough displacement activity for one day. Time to get back to washing our hands and reporting the neighbours for too much sunbathing. My thanks to Miller and Butch and to you all for tuning in. Uh, please do look after each other. This has been another Stay In Save Lives edition of the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com.